0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Mike M, Pac-12 Networks joining us now. Mike,
1: good morning. Morning, guys. Are we setting up a tea time for Saturday morning? Uh, no. <laughs> nope. Okay. Just uh, wanted to double check and make sure that wasn't the
2: we case. You know, you guys are in town. I was watching inside the Pac-12 the other night, so I know. I think you're already here. Is that correct?
1: No, Yo. I will be there. I'm actually flying in tonight, and Yogi was there yesterday shooting a feature, okay. and he is going to check back in on Friday. So it's a little bit more of a, a whirlwind travel wise for him. But uh, but I'm geeked up, man. Salt Lake is is definitely one of my favorite spots. It's it's one of the places where the fans care. So to me, there's always like that added juice that comes with with just being there around this program. And obviously, what happened to both of these teams last week. It's it's sort of this really important, crucial. Game for both squads is there. I think both Utah fans, certainly Utah, and I think Washington State fans are probably thinking the same thing, which is hey, like we feel like we're good enough to go and win a Pac 12 championship. Problem is, when you look at the standings right now, you got to get this one.
0: You know, uh, the care factor matters because it plays into recruiting. Kids don't want to go play in a stadium that's empty where they can hear their voice echo back at them. I've been to UCLA games. A handful of games over the years, various opponents. I've been there when there's 50,000 in the stadium, when there's 70. I've been there when it's sold out for an SC game. And you talk about the fans in Utah care. Certainly there's a lack of care factor right now. UCLA fans really turned off by the the last year and a half. How many other places is that a real issue? Because watching on TV, I think it's an issue at Stanford. Um, it's been an issue at Colorado, maybe they're bouncing back a little bit. It's been an issue at Oregon State a little bit. How many schools is that really something that they're really working on attendance because they've got to do something?
1: Yeah, I think you're you're right about a couple of those spots in particular. I mean, look, the reality is the TV angles don't lie when you look into the crowd and, and you don't see a packed stadium. You know, I, I actually was at the UCLA-Washington State game this past weekend in Pullman. Uh, that's a fan base that really cares. It was sort of cool, though, to see a decent amount of UCLA alumni in the stands, which immediately I, I spent some time on on the Washington State sideline, and then I went over to the UCLA one. And I'm thinking to myself, like, man, you got these fans that will make the trip up to Pullman. Like, why is it that that they're not filling up the Rose Bowl? Like, what's the issue here? And who knows? I mean, I think a couple of those teams, uh, Stanford excluded from the mix, although I know Stanford's not having a great season right now. Um, I point to the fact that they've played probably the four – they've probably played the toughest four-game schedule of any team in the entire country, besides the point for right now. We'll table that conversation. You, the other fan bases that you just talked about, like it, it's you got to win. And some of those teams haven't won. Um, Colorado the other day, and, and certainly they, they came up with a big win against ASU, but the home game against Nebraska was sold out. And I, if I'm not mistaken, it was like their highest revenue game for in, like, the last 15, 20 years, maybe even ever. I forget what the stat was, but it, like, shattered a bunch of uh, previous records by a lot. So at least there's there's signs of life with that program uh, with Mel Tucker. And, you know, I mean, who knows if, if Jonathan Smith and company are able to get a win against Stanford uh, this weekend, maybe there will be more fans showing up in Corvallis.
2: We see that... SC owns the tiebreaker over Utah, so there's been some angst here, which I think is kind of silly because the way this conference is, and I think this is the beauty of the conference. You look at an Alabama or whatnot, and, you know, you're going to pick maybe automatically they're going to have nine wins just by showing up, and these teams are a little top-heavy. But I can see... All of these teams, you look at both Washingtons, Oregon, SC, Utah, who are recognized as a, the favorites to win each division. I can see any of these teams losing two or three games, but at the same time, I can also see them winning these games and climbing up the national rankings. And I believe that what, that's what makes the Pac-12 the fun conference that it is.
1: Look, I I couldn't agree with you more in terms of the entertainment value. Uh, Five teams in the top 25. A couple weeks ago, we had six. There's been eight different teams that have sat in that AP top 25 so far this season. The depth of the league, I don't think anyone can argue. I I would point to the Pac-12 Conference, it's the deepest league in the country. I know the critics will go and tell you that there's not an elite team, which I don't totally buy. I think it depends on how you classify elite um, and if you call it a top 10 program, look, I think the reality is by the end of the season, th- there's going to be an elite team and elite teams aren't made in the preseason. They're not made in week number one. We don't know who they are in week one or two, but as the season unfolds, like I think there's there are teams that just get better, and if you're not getting better, there's a problem. So um, I look at health as a factor. I look at guys just growing in their roles. I mean, if you're telling me Washington or Oregon or Utah, they're the same team in Week 1 that they are in Week 7, 8, or 9. Like, there's a problem there. Um, so I would point to consistent growth from a lot of these teams. But I think if you're a Utah fan – you're right, you should be at least a little nervous just because you're looking at the standings, you know what happened to that head-to-head, and you know the talent that SC has. I think the one thing that I would point to, if I'm a Utah fan, is consistency and toughness. And in my mind, Kyle Whittingham has had the toughest team in the league the last few years. Case in point, you would look just to last year when Tyler and Zach go down, and they're still able to, to figure out a way to get to a Pac-12 championship game in a jumbled up, South, uh, South Division, um, Look, I, I still need to see more consistency from USC, and I think when Kyle and that staff goes back to the tape, and, and we had some opportunities to watch back large chunks of that game, it's like they weren't outplayed. Um, and There's a couple of explosives, and I think, I think that's a cause for concern, because we hadn't seen, nor did we think, uh, a Utah defense, specifically some of those guys in the secondary, would get beat like they did. So I think that was jarring for fans, but you know, to me, I would just point to drives that weren't finished. Like, I, I didn't watch that game and go, man, like, Utah just got, got their doors blown out, blown off and, and got outplayed. Like, I didn't see it that way, um, and I do think they're a more consistent team. So, in my mind, I, I still think there's definitely a path to see Utah back in that championship game.
0: So when we watch USC and Washington Saturday afternoon, are we going to see Chris Peterson and Washington getting it together? Are we going to see an obviously inexperienced team realize they're pretty talented, they're getting coached up, they're taking the next step, and Washington's about to go win a third title in four years, that this really is the class program in the league?
1: Look, I I think there's no doubt Chris Peterson's got one of the premier teams in this conference. Uh, You look at recent history, and then you just look at personnel on the squad I think I think when you look at this team's defense nine new starters and they are young and I think the one loss that they have which was a weird game uh you know Pac-12 well after midnight is what I would describe it and an early Sunday morning finish when there's a two and a half hour lightning delay against Cal their game plan guys was the right one that you know I think you look at the tape and you look at evidence and you say to yourself can Chase Garbers beat you? And the answer up until that game was no. So they wanted him to make and force him to make critical throws. Tip your calf to him. He did exactly just that in that fourth quarter. So I didn't look at the game plan as the wrong one for Washington. I just go, hey, really good win and nice job by the Cal Bears. Um, I I think when you look at SC and a matchup like this, you know, Washington has had a lot of success against Washington State in this air raid offense. Now, I I think it's different what Graham Harrell's doing. They're going to run the football a little bit more than Mike Leach is going to run it. But the reality is, like, they have so many moving parts. Like, we did a breakdown. I know you guys referenced inside Pac-12 football uh, on Tuesday night. And Yogi did a breakdown about, you know, this matchup in particular and what Washington has done historically against air raid defenses. And, you know, Matt Fink tip your cap to him, man. The dude balled out as a third-string quarterback against one of the premier teams, I think, in the entire country in Utah, and he gets that win, but I still look at this Washington defense and the amount of movement. Like If you compare uh, what that secondary has been doing against Air Raid offenses versus what utah is doing like there's a significant step up in the challenge um, just in terms of movement of personnel to make and, and disguising things to make things difficult on the quarterback like matt matt is going to be he's going to have his work cut out for him if sc gets a win on the road I, man I, I don't know about utah to be honest with you winning that south division and i know consistency is an issue but if sc can get a win like that and already beat utah to me the trojans clearly thrust themselves into the favorite spot in that division.
2: Yeah, if they win in Seattle, I'd have to agree with that. I was watching your show, Inside the Pac-12, but we've decided that we need to rename it and reclassify it as (laughs) Yam and Yogi.
1: Uh, can you do me a favor? Like when we hit the break, if I gave you my boss's numbers, could you call them and pass that feedback along? Um, you know, it's funny Yogi and I, it's guys like, and I appreciate you guys even watching and, and, even bringing up, uh, the fact that we're doing that show. It is so much fun. And it's a 30-minute show, and, like, we don't even get to get, like, everything in. So Yogi and I have been doing, like, our own little web show that we've been posting on Instagram and Twitter where we do, like, everything that we don't get in the show uh, with a little bit more fun. So I, I do appreciate it. We don't call it the M and Yogi show. It's called The One but because uh, it's, it's basically, like, one topic or one game or one play or something like that that we focus in on. But we've been having a blast.
0: Uh, so I suggested yesterday during the show that Yam and Yogi should be the name of that show. And our producer, Jake Yock, quickly said, that sounds like a podcast. That's what you got going this, uh, you know, extra time. What It's a podcast. No, there it is. Yam and Yogi. No, Just I wanted, run with it. I
2: want an hour on a Pac-12 network. I bought Comcast so I can get the Pac-12
1: network. Oh, so I, I want that. I
2: want Yam and Yogi with the banner Y-Watch.
1: I like it. I like I... Once again, I'm seriously <laughs> gonna give you guys my bosses door. Let's get this going. You know, Yogi's got like ten podcasts though. So like I don't like he is he's stretched thin in that world. He's got his personal one. He is his broadcast partner on games is Ted Robinson. They're doing a podcast with their producer, Mike Bolinari, on Sunday. So like there's there's content out there with Yogi, but um, you know, we're we we're diving in deep on Tuesdays. And, uh, like I said, it really has been a blast. But we, if it was up to us, we'd do a show every single day. Like, we love it. Why watch with Yogi and Yam? <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> so the only Come on, can we go Yam and Yogi? I okay, think yam, and a yam, yam, yam and Yogi's fine. I'll Yam either way.
2: But the why watch, you're playing off the why, why watch yeah. with Yam and Yogi?
1: I, I like There's it. There's no other I show actually, in the country like- that can match that. I know, you're right. Like, <laughs> why... I think the pac 12 network is really dropping the ball. Yes. We need to get on
0: this. I'm I, calling Larry after I, the now, show. Now, I'll tell you this. <laughs> I'll tell you this, Mike. You can give me the number, but we're no longer joking around. If you tell me, tell these guys what you think. You got to be careful. PK, back me up. Dude, I mean, haven't people learned not to do that? Because I'll just. Yeah,
2: but you don't box them into a corner. You present them in a way that, <laughs> that will allow them to think it's their idea, and you run with it.
0: That's the part I'm not I, so good look, at.
1: And I'm with you there. Like, I have become muted in meetings. I think people are tired of hearing from me. You know, I've been at the network since we launched. This is our eighth season. So after eight years, sometimes the message coming out of my mouth is not resonating in in that room. So... I have uh I've leaned on guys like Yogi who have like this great demeanor and this charming charisma where they like, everyone yeah. loves them. So like, hey Yogi, I think you should suggest this. Like, <laughs> it, you know, Rick Neuheisel used to tell me a story when he worked with us. He said when they when he was a coach at UCLA and Mike Riley was at Oregon State, they'd be in coaches' meetings and the coaches would all want to do something and they all say, "Well, we can't ask if we ask Mike Riley to ask, we'll get it done because you know Mike goes in there the golly geez and oh yeah, this <laughs> is great <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like this. So I I think this is the game plan for for that show. So the second thing I would change
0: with the network, since you've now given me the keys to the castle and the phone (laughs) number, is the scheduling in the Pac-12. Everyone complains about the way the SEC schedules. And the Pac-12 should copy it. Maybe not the eight conference games, nine conference games. They get that. But the SEC sprinkles the Citadels, the lower division teams yeah. throughout the yeah. schedule to create at least semi-bye weeks. The Pac-12, from the get-go, Larry Scott said, you have to play the three weeks so we have maximum flexibility. No. Because now the Pac-12 network, you guys had like six games week three. You couldn't even get it. You had to regionalize some of them. You're, nobody has enough content here. You should be spreading those out throughout the year. You're going to have games where you have weeks where you have zero or one game. It doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah, the 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 scheduling has been something we've talked about internally a, a ton. And and I think you're right, when you compare it to the SEC model, I, I'd actually take it a step further. I know you were hedging on the the eight game Uh, conference slate, like I'm all about that. I think if you look at the college football playoff and, you know, the reality is now college football is geared towards the semifinals, right? And those four teams, and even if you're in a signature bowl, that was this classic game. If it's not one of those um, sites for a college football playoff, like it doesn't seem to resonate as much and it doesn't grab as much national attention from the media. So to me, if you look at, at what the CFP has been, Guys, the teams and the conferences that have been left out are the ones that play nine conference uh, yeah. games. I mean, the ACC and, and the SEC, they, they've been in, in it every single year. And granted, it's Alabama and Clemson. But look, I mean, you're generating automatic losses into your league. I'm a huge fan of 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 plan eight or or plan nine it doesn't really matter to me as long as everyone's doing it we've talked to david shaw about this a ton and how do you go and sit there and 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 really evaluate um you know apples to apples like these schedules like it's just really hard and i know he's been a big champion for consistency across the board i hope to god we get to that point because it is it's frustrating i've done the mock selection and i I just wish people understood the challenges and the losses that automatically are generated. Like you, you have guaranteed losses with a nine-game conference schedule that you don't have when you play eight in some of those other leagues like the SEC. It's just this uphill battle, and and I'm I'm with you guys on it. Yeah, the thing is the four California
0: teams insist on playing each other. And so if you go from nine games down to eight, now USC and UCLA aren't going to the Oregon and Washington schools as often. And they're not going to have any yep. of that because those are huge crowds. And, and their fan bases want USC and UCLA to come up there. So. You're right.
1: And look, I mean, we've we've had these conversations. It's like 9 a.m. start time or not having a 9 a.m. start time. Like the reality is people, no matter what decision you you're, you make – People are going to be upset with it. There's always going to be this small group. So to me, I'd go like, hey, what's the majority? And how do we, how do we put ourselves in a position to compete at the highest level for national championships? Um, and to me, you get some natties and get some more respect on, on the West Coast teams. I, I think the fans will still be pretty excited about that.
0: He's my Yam. Look for Yam and Yogi, a podcast, a TV show, possibly <laughs> some coffee table books, lots of photos coming your way. Thanks, Mike. I love it. Guys, you guys are the best. Thank you again.